0: Welcome to the Optimist International's Choose Optimism podcast, a podcast to let people know about what's going on in the world and that there's a lot of good stuff actually happening right in their backyard that they may not know. Our show today is brought to us by Optimist International. And one of the things that we like to do before we start our little interviews or sitting around having a coffee here with our guests is we like to have a quote, something you need to think about of what we're going to talk about during our interview today and then we always end up with a quote at the end. So today's starting quote is death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss in life is what dies inside us why we live. And it just goes to show that you need to enjoy days while you're here. And we have somebody who has a great story about that. And I would like to introduce Sandy Doyle from Gaston, Indiana in our the in Indiana district. Hi Sandy, how's it going?
1: It's going great, Shane. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Just uh, looking forward to letting our listeners uh, your story. And I'd like to start off with, you know, we always start off with what is your optimist story? How did you get involved in our organization?
1: Uh, That is a big question. (laughs) You might have all night. Uh, 25 years ago in July, I was asked to go to an informational meeting a meeting to talk about helping kids in our area and to do things for our community to make it a better place to live. I went to that first meeting and I met several people I knew and some I didn't know, but I liked what they had to say about helping our community to grow bigger and stronger. And I really helped the, I liked the idea of doing things to help kids have a more positive life. So I gave them my $30 and told them I'd be back the following week for the next meeting. The next week I came in and there was 35 people there. And, but there was also two guys in suits that I had no idea who they were. And they, but they said they were from Optimist International. And that they said they had enough people to charter and I had no clue what that meant. I had never been to an Optimist meeting before but I was okay if we were going to help with our community. So one of the gentlemen came around and he asked me, would I like to be on the board? Well, I had never been on a board before and I had no clue what it was all about. And I told him, no, I didn't wanna be on a board. And so he got his board and he came back and he asked me if I'd like to be a secretary. And I said, I laughed. I said, heavens no, I can't talk and write at the same time. Uh, I I forget to write put something down. So he went on and he got his secretary and he came back and he said how would you like to be treasurer? And I said, "No way, I'm not going to be responsible for anybody else's money." So he went around the room and he got his treasurer and then he came back and he said, "How would you like to be vice president?" And I said, "No," I replied, "I have no desire to be a vice president. I don't even know what this organization is. I don't want to do that." He said, Well, what would you like to do? And I said, just let me talk to people and let me come up with ideas to help kids. And he said, congratulations, we have our first charter president. And I said, no. And he said, being a president is just exactly what you said you wanted to do. And you can be the first charter president of the West J Optimist Club.
0: So you got voluntold is what you're telling us. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Something like that, yes. <laughs> so the first meeting that we had, I was asking for ideas for projects and um, nobody seemed to have anything. And finally, one of the uh, members who was a minister in our area said that his church always had to come up with either five to 20 coats a year um, because kids lost their coats. or parents couldn't afford winter coats So I said, well, surely we can have a coat drive and take care of that this year. So um, I asked one of the ladies who belonged uh, to our club, but she also worked for the local newspaper, if she would put an ad in the paper that the West J Optimist was desiring um, coats. We were doing a coat drive for the kids on the west side of the county. And she said she would. And so The next day, I went to our local Walmart, and I asked to speak to the manager. And so when he came out, I said, I am Sandy Doyle. I'm president of the West J Optimist. And I was wondering if we could put a big box out front of um, the store and with a sign on it that we're doing a coat drive for kids on the west side of the area. And he said, well, I think we can do that. And so... I left there and I thought, huh, that was awfully easy. So I stopped at the radio station and (laughs) I went in and I told them what I wanted. Well, Shane, they put me on the radio. (laughs) I had never been on the radio before in my life. I had no clue what I was doing or what I was going to say or anything about it. But I told them what we were doing. And when I left there, I thought, this is really strange. I could have done that as Sandy Doyle. But by saying I was Sandy Doyle, president of the West J Optimist, they stopped and listened to what I had to say. So we raised over 200 children's coats. I gave coats to four different schools on the west side of the county. I sent five churches, all kinds of kids' coats. And then I sent the rest with a priest that was taking a load of household items uh, to the Appalachian area for kids there. I was hooked, Shane, I was hooked. I had found a vehicle that I could use to help others, even if it was in a small way. So that's how I became an optimist. And still to this day, uh, I'm very proud to be an optimist.
0: One thing I always tell people when they join our organization is, you know, they always ask what's in it for me, you know, as they're going on. Cause obviously we help a lot of stuff in the community. And I always tell people, we're going to make you a better person and help you be a better person to be doing good in your community. I really feel that that's a great thing with Optimus International is that we make people better. And I think you can probably agree with that from the story that you just told us.
1: Oh, definitely. And even through, I mean, for the next oh, nine, 10 years, basically, I, I never missed a meeting. I think I was uh, president, not Once, but I was president three times (laughs) during that time. And one day, though, um, my husband had been out golfing on Sunday, and he came home and he said he didn't feel well. By Thursday, he was in the hospital and he couldn't move anything but his left hand. And uh, he couldn't walk, he couldn't, he, he could barely talk, and he couldn't feed himself. And at that moment, I ceased being a wife, I became a caregiver, making all kinds of decisions for him. He was diagnosed finally with a rare autoimmune disease called CIDP, which for most people have no clue what that is because it's kind of rare, but it's chronic inflammatory dehabilitating polyneuropathy. And it only took me two years to learn how to say that. But they were giving him 150 milligrams of prednisone, which was as much as they dared give him, but it made him very irritable and he couldn't sleep. And he spent about five months in the hospital and then another three months in the nursing home. And he wanted to go home. That's all he talked about. He wanted to go home. He wanted to be in his own bed. And I thought the, the physician and the nursing home said, you can't take care of him. But I thought, you know, how do I look myself in the mirror and how do I look my kids and say, I'm leaving your father in the nursing home. So I brought him home and finally, after three years, we got to the point that he could walk with a walker and he could feed himself with his left hand. Um, and he came down with pneumonia and I rushed him to the hospital and a CT scan of his lungs showed a mass in his left lung. He had stage four lung cancer. So we spent the next four or five years doing radiation, chemotherapy, blood phoresis, which is where they would take the blood out of him and filter it and put it back in we went from doctor to doctor to specialist to specialist um, That he finally lost the fight and during that time my optimist club stepped right up they were they provided food for the um, funeral dinner they were there supporting me all this every step of the way But about three months after that, uh, I had an incident that happened and I couldn't seem to bring myself out of it. I was sitting in my Lazy Boy, which, you know, I I swear the chair was made for me because it just fits me perfectly. And I was rocking back and forth and just staring at the television and not uh, not watching it. I was just staring. The noise of the television didn't make me feel so alone. I think that was the third week of me sitting there. I just kept rocking back and forth until time for bed. And I thought, you know, I could go to bed now. I still had on my gown, but it was only five o'clock in the evening. And I just realized that I felt numb. I just didn't feel anything and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I remember crying out, Lord, you're going to have to help me find a purpose because I can't go on living like this or I'm going to die in this chair. So I got up, And I went into the refrigerator, and I fixed myself cereal. And I came back to my chair, and I had it in my hand, and I was eating it. And I realized that that was the third day in a row I had nothing to eat but cereal. And probably about 30 minutes later, a lot of tears. I'm sitting there crying, feeling sorry for myself. And the president of my Optimist Club called and said the governor was coming in the next day uh, to speak at our club. And would I please come? Because she wanted to have as many people there as possible. And so I told her I would be there. And when I went in, oh, Shane, it was so good to be hugged. It was so good to see the people that I had worked with and cared about and they had cared about me for so long. You know,
0: people don't realize that your Optimist Club becomes like a family. It is your second family. To when you are a member of a club, that is an important deal because you share so much with this club, doing stuff together.
1: Exactly, and I, I hadn't been. I had missed like two or three meetings, and it was just, it just made my heart melt, and I brushed away tears. But the governor was there and she talked about the joys of being in her position and the joys of being an optimist and um, about the joys of helping communities. She also talked about the need for a new governor, which I just ignored. But after the meeting, she came up to me and she said, Sandy, would you like to be governor of the Indiana North District? And I said, yes, came out of my mouth. I have no clue where that came from. That was not my intentions whatsoever, but yes came out of my mouth. And she said, well, I will need a bio of you and a picture to send to the board and the board will vote whether you you know, became governor or not. So I smiled and I thanked her and I got into the car and I thought, how in the world did that happen? I didn't mean to say yes. I mean, being a governor is a prestigious thing. I thought, I know nothing about being a governor and the thought hit me you didn't know anything about being a president either but you were president three times (laughs) so
0: it's just a bigger role for you as governor yeah
1: so the next day i went to my daughter's office and i said i need your help in writing a bio of me and um sending this picture to these five members so i went to the store and i bought some vegetables and fruit but i didn't buy any cereal I, i thought i can't go down that road anymore I went home, and even though I felt a little low, I forced myself to clean the house, eat healthy. Every time I sat in my Lazy Boy, I'd force myself to get up every hour and do some little thing, like taking a walk or calling a friend or go pull some weeds out of my flower bed. After about 15 days later, I got the call that the board had nominated me as the next governor for the Indiana North District. My emotions were all over the place. I sat down in my Lazy Boy, stared at the blank screen, and thought this is such an honor, but I don't get nothing about this job. I know you do a lot of traveling and talking to people. And I thought, Lord, help me. How do I encourage people to do more for their communities? How do I encourage people to do more for kids and for themselves? And I thought, help me, oh Lord. I feel so incompetent and a little unworthy of this job. And I turned on the TV set and I watched the Golden Girls for two hours and laughed and laughed.
0: So when you were asked to be governor, Sandy, what was your what, what what was going through your mind? What were your emotions when you were asked to be governor of your district?
1: I felt uh, unworthy. I guess basically, I felt like they had made a mistake. That they probably wanted uh, a business person or a um, somebody that was, and I couldn't feature why they would want me.
0: When you were voted governor to be the of your district. Were you feeling excited, nervous? What, what was what was going through when you actually? It was
1: it was the nervous, more nervous than anything, and the thing of how am I, how was I going to do it, and what was I going to do? Basically, the first thing came to my mind was I will have to go meet all of these people. That's what I started doing. I started uh, traveling, and I. I think there was 40 clubs in the Indiana North District, and I visited 38 of them during that time before I became governor.
0: When you were governor, what was your favorite thing that you did as a governor? Like, was it a project, an event that you got to go to by a different Optimist Club? What was one of your favorite memories of being governor of the Indiana District?
1: Oh, I think there was so many, Shane. I, th- I think visiting the clubs and seeing all the different uh, projects and all the different fundraisers that they did. Uh, because I had no idea. Every club, every Optimist Club was different. Every project was different. Every way that they made their money, their fundraisers, all of them were different. That was what was so interesting to me, how we are all the same, but yet so different, even in our clubs and our organizations.
0: When uh, when you were governor of the Indiana, Indiana District, you were lucky enough to be a distinguished governor. Tell us a little bit about our listeners about that, because I know some of them know what a distinguished governor is and some of them do not. But, you know, being distinguished is not an easy task. People don't realize how much work that you put into being distinguished. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: I think the distinguished part, basically, I mean, um, we started three new clubs, but the, the biggest thing was in August I think it was August 15th, I had my convention, and I was down um, 30 people. And I had the convention, and then after that convention, that Monday, I had one of the clubs um, bring in 17 new members. And then I thought, wow. (laughs) So then I got on the phone, and and I encouraged um, my clubs, especially if they were going to be honor clubs, that they were this close or, you know, they needed one, if they were going to be a distinguished club or if they had, you know, 10 or 12, Hey, only five more people. And you could do that. And they, they really came through. They, they blessed me. I ended up, I think it was like a plus 30 when I was already I was down and, and well in six weeks time, they turned it around for me. And so I was it just,
0: might when you go negative in the hole like that, you have to get back out of the hole. So you were almost plus sixty members for your year. Just in the last dropped. six
1: weeks. There's six weeks. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: tell us a little bit about um, what you learned uh, you, you, when you when you went through all this stuff. You learned some of you said the biggest secrets of life. What are some of those things that you've learned from your optimist career?
1: That after I was distinguished, <laughs> Shane, I, I kept thinking, how did this happen? how did this happen? I mean, uh, me, basically, uh, I worked at the cemetery. I was a mother, a grandmother, a widow. How did this happen? I kept thinking, I didn't believe it was luck and I didn't believe it was skill. And I, But I remembered every meeting that I attended, I thanked people for what they were doing for their community and what they were doing for kids and what they were doing for themselves because I believed in the power of the optimist creed. So after that was over, I started studying what was the power in optimism and what was the power in the optimist creed. And I still to this day, I will tell people it's gratitude, If you say thank you once a day, say it ten, and then if you say it ten, say it twenty, because you have been so blessed. And then if you are so positive that things, good things are going to happen, great things are going to happen to you.
0: And people don't realize what a simple, how far a simple thank you can go in these days anymore.
1: Right, and that that one verse in the Optimus Creed, give every living creature you meet a smile, that goes many, 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 (laughs) uh, very far away. I mean. People, it takes a very cold person not to smile back at you if you greet them and smile at them. So the smile, the, um, the gratitude, the optimism, you, you've got to have the optimism, the faith, the, the hope that everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be okay.
0: And with the power of optimism, you can, there, you can do so much. Like I said, just a simple thank you, showing your gratitude as a leader. People recognize that and they appreciate that because they know how much work it is. And people don't realize that if you put just a little bit every, all it takes is just one person to make that day better for somebody else.
1: Exactly right. And, and you think, how many people out there never get a smile? How many people out there never get a, a blessing or a hi, how are you doing? Or any interaction that That one thing may make the difference in that person's life that day because you don't know what they're going through.
0: Now, in your later stuff here that you're going on after you've been a distinguished governor, uh, you are going to be a international vice president of the Middle America region, which is a huge honor and a huge responsibility. Tell us about your feeling about that and what some of the things you're looking forward to with being an international vice president.
1: I think spreading the word that there is a power in that Optimus creed. For number one, for number two, there is a power in optimism and there's a power in gratitude. And that's what I will tell all the people in middle America. And that's all what I would tell any person that I come in contact with that asks me.
0: Well, I'm excited to see what you do as an international vice president, because I uh, hope to get there myself someday. But uh, that'll... Uh... I think that's down the road a little ways. Now, tell us about some of the stuff you have with the power of gratitude and the power of optimism. You have actually wrote a book. Tell us a little bit about the book and, you know, how that we were inspired to write that.
1: Well, it goes along with my optimist story. Basically, I was diagnosed with... Um, stage one lung cancer and they wanted to remove part of my right lung. I kept thinking, I don't want to do that because they already, they diagnosed me with stage two COPD and I had never smoked a day in my life. But so one day, I I mean, I just kept saying, promise yourself to be so strong that nothing would disturb your peace of mind. During that time, something came to me to go have another opinion. Which I did and I opted for pinned radiation. I did meditation. I did that Optimus Creed. I did affirmations. I took off every herb coming and going that I could find that to help build my body up. I walked, <laughs> I prayed. I as I said, I, I did it all. And, um then of course in about three, four months into it, COVID happened and my kids refused for me to leave the house. So during that time, I'm Zooming with my optimist people, but I also realized that I needed to do something else. And so I had worked at the cemetery for 12 years and two years at a a small funeral home. And so I just started going through paperwork and I decided I was going to write the stories of working at a cemetery. So the name of my book is my life at the cemetery and it's not as dead as you think
0: i bet you there's some truth to that that people could appreciate it's not as dead as you think
1: no no there's all kinds of stories in there i go from humorous to sad to grief to happy to gratitude even in that in the stories so yeah
0: well, Sandy, I can't tell you, I'm sure that your story is going to resonate with some of our listeners and just to know, have a note that they can learn from the power of optimism and the power of gratitude can go a long way in your life. Yeah,
1: if it can go to a wife and to a mother of seven and a grandmother of 19, and she could go all the way to where I am going with this organization to the blessings that have come my way because of the people I have met in this optimist organization i'm forever grateful
0: just goes to show you if you have a little bit of optimism it can make a whole lot better
1: everybody has a story to tell shane everybody has a story to tell
0: all right everybody we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast we always like to end our show with a quote get you thinking about stuff that's happened on between our shows and i have chosen enjoy life there's plenty of time to be dead And it doesn't matter about the two dates on your tombstone. All that matters is about the dash in between. Thank you for listening to the Choose Optimism podcast. If you like our podcast, please give us a five-star review and share with people so we can let optimism shine throughout the world. If you're interested in being on our podcast, please reach out to Optimist International to get in touch with us to get your optimist story out there. Until next time, choose optimism.